The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Hello, this is Dr. Barbara Young, and I hope you're having a fantastic day. I'd like to give a big hello to my entire West Day family and to my worldwide fans of the Transformation for Success show. You know, my thanks to you for your love and support, and keep those letters, keep those emails coming. This is a great day, and I am excited to have the nationally acclaimed speaker, Joshua Friedenberg. The topic today is turning a rejection into an opportunity for success. You're going to hear this fascinating story about Joshua's journey. You know, all of us have faced in life some kind of rejection, and rejection hurts, but it's impossible to avoid because life is about going for things. And when we do, rejection is always a possibility. Any kind of rejection, no matter if it's in love, your career, friends, a book proposal, or anything else, is not something that should affect how happy you are. Rejection doesn't feel great. And you know, sometimes it's unfathomable, but it shouldn't be something you permit to take away happiness from your life. The reality of life is that rejection will form a part of it. You know, there'll be occasions when your job application, your date request, or even your ideas for change will be rejected by someone somewhere. It is a healthy attitude to accept that rejection as a part of life and to acknowledge that what really matters is finding the way to bounce back and try again. And this is exactly what my guest, Mr. Joshua Friedenberg, will share with you listeners today, how to turn a rejection into an opportunity for success. I'm here each Tuesday at 12 noon on the Empowerment Channel and on Fridays at 12 noon on the Women's Channel. So I invite you to tune in each week. You can access me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can also download the shows for your listening pleasure through my website, www.transformationforsuccess.com. I'm thrilled absolutely each week with joy to be an ambassador of light, love, and change. You can email your comments or questions about the show to info at transformationforsuccess.com. I know that you're going to be inspired, enlightened, and uplifted by our program today with my guest, Joshua Friedenberg. You know, last week we talked about, uh, with my guest, Dr. Barry Rose, about his book, The Cutting Edge of Compassion, which dealt with, uh, in our conversation with, compassion in the healthcare profession. And you know, I found it very interesting. One of the things he talked about, and I just sort of relate this to even rejection, he talked about how Rejection, in many cases, 
is like almost like having a broken arm, and it can be related to a person having health issues. So I, I thought that was so interesting. So Joshua, I'd like to welcome you to the show, and good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on the show today. Oh, I absolutely. I'm so excited about it. And I want to say to my listeners out there, maybe good afternoon or good evening to you. But here in California, it's good morning. (laughs) You know, one of the things, uh, have you ever noticed, uh, listeners, how being, being turned down stops some people from trying again, while others, they bounce back from rejection stronger than others and stronger than before. So, as I said earlier, everyone experiences the sting of rejection. But some people can use that pain to grow stronger and to become better, not bitter. And that, again, is what my guest Joshua did. But, you know, Joshua, first, I want to share with the listening audience some interesting things about you. One, okay. <laughs> he is a, <laughs> he's a speaker, media commentator, leadership diversity educator, President Founder of the Circle of Change Leadership Conference and World Leaders Institute. He's often been a TV guest on BET, KTLA, CBS News, just to name a few. And he is the author of five books. You know, Joshua is a dynamic speaker who is known for delivering inspirational messages with expert advice that leads to immediate life-changing transformational results. So again, Joshua, welcome to the show. Can't thank you enough thank for you. taking time from your busy schedule to be on the show today. Yeah, it's great to be here. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to speak with you and uh, hopefully inspire some people that are listening today. Well, I know your, your story is going to inspire, prod, and probably provide listeners with a map for transforming their life using your strategies and sex, sex principles that you, you know, what I'm finding so fascinating about your story is that you not only use some strategies and success principles to change your life, but you applied them. You see, learning and applying are two different things. You learn them. And, of course, today you're known as this successful young emerging leader of the younger generation today. And, you know, Joshua, I have to say with a heavy heart today, I know that this younger generation and many young men out there need help, encouragement, and hope. So, listeners, I want you to get your notebooks and your pads and pens ready if you're not driving to hear Mr. Joshua as he brings his story today of his journey of success. So, Joshua, I, I got a lot of questions, but and we've got time to try to get this conversation going here. But, you know, I know that you grew up in Long Did you grow up in Long Beach, California? Well, actually, I actually grew up in Northern California, so I was uh, raised in the Bay Area for the first mm-hmm. 18 years of my life. And then... Um, attended Long Beach State University at the age of 18, and have been in Los Angeles ever since. So um, I've actually been there longer now than I've been in the Bay Area. Um, I've got a little older now, so. (laughs) That's funny. I came out of the Bay Area, too. I don't know if you know that. I grew up in Berkeley. Oh, really? I grew up in Berkeley. Oh, I did not know that. Yep, 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 yep. I went to UC Berkeley. But we want to go into my life story, but basically, (laughs) I went from Berkeley to like, I felt the worst place in the world. I went from Berkeley to Fresno, Fresno to Sacramento, Sacramento to L.A. Okay? <laughs> so. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I've been here in the Southern California area than any time, I think, in my life. But, you know, I know that uh, when you were at Long Beach State, you went to Long Beach State when you were 18, and mm-hmm. you had this dream to play in the NBA. 
and you mm-hmm. attempted to walk on the basketball team and you were the last person cut, how yeah. in the world did you recover? How did you recover from that? Yeah, so so my story actually goes back when I was um since I was six years old, I always had a desire to play professional sports. Um, mm-hmm. I often say I should have probably did football, but I pursued basketball and had aspiration that one day I'd be a national basketball player, then I'd be a sports broadcaster for a major sports network. And so my whole life was really focused on basketball. That's all I would do every day is play basketball. And really it was great for me from an educational standpoint because I had a vision to play basketball. Therefore, I knew in order for me to get a, get to college and get a scholarship, I had to do well in school. So it was good in the sense that it motivated me to do well in school. Um, also, I, you know, I would play, I would practice. I went to a school um, in Fairfield, California at the time and really felt like I wasn't getting as much playing time. And so I decided to transfer to Hogan High School in Vallejo. And during that transfer, once I made the transfer, everything went really good for me. I got started on the varsity team um, into my senior year, was like the captain, was averaging about 20.5, about five wow. assists, was all league, all region, had oh. trophies, and was doing really, really, really well. And, and probably could have, you know, had offers to stay in the Bay Area. I um, also um, was considered for the University of Miami to walk on, and they would get like 15000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of money to go there. Um, but my great-grandmother had passed away right before I graduated high school, so I decided to stay close. And for whatever reason, Long Beach State was on my heart. And so it was my intention that when I went to Long Beach State that I was going to make the team because that's what they had suggested to me. Mm-hmm. And so I came down to Long Beach State with the intention of making the team and, you know, met the players, worked out with the players, played every day. Was probably the most shape I've ever been in my life. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I was in great shape at that point. I, I could run forever, and um, tried out for mm-hmm. the team, and then um, ultimately didn't make the team because of one person that was six five or six six. And so ultimately, because of their needs for big men versus me as a six two guard, they decided to go that route. And then they offered me to work, you know, work behind the scenes for the basketball team, and I didn't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. My desire was to play basketball, so it was really decisive moment for me because I could transfer out to a junior college and go that route, or I could just stay and try to walk on again. And so ultimately I decided that I was going to try to make the team again. And so for that whole year, I was just committed to basketball. I mean, I would just play basketball every single day, Mm -hmm. um, improved and came the next year to try out and actually did really, really well. Uh, but this next year, um, a guy by the uh, six ten guy came in and they decided to go with this. Yeah, they decided to go up to 6'10", I guess, center forward, and I missed the team by one person. And so it was at that point where ultimately um, I made up in my mind that this was probably the end of my basketball career. And I'm a really uh, resilient person, so I don't like to give up on stuff. So I'm I'm pretty stubborn in that sense that I'm going to fight until the end. Um, but I really didn't want to transfer colleges at that moment. I was like, you know, I'm, I like Long Beach State University. Mm-hmm. I guess the Cal State system got me. Um, so I was so I was so happy about Long Beach State. I really <laughs> didn't want to transfer out and go nowhere else. So I, you know, it was just it was just a tough moment because at that point, you know, all of my dreams, basically, well, not my dream to be on TV, but my more so as far as being a basketball player, really was the end of was at mm-hmm. the end of the road at that point. Because I really didn't, I didn't want to make the move to transfer. I'd rather stay at Long Beach State. And so that was a moment, I guess you could say, where you're dealing with rejection mm-hmm. and disappointment. 
Um, cause I often say in presentations that you work 13 years for something, no matter of 24 hours, it's over. Um, and so that was a really, happen. you know, that, that was a really tough moment. You know, one of the things you said, uh, is that you're a resilient person and resiliency. And, and I had said earlier, why is it some people can handle rejection and bounce back? You talk about resiliency. Where do you think you got that from? That had to come from somewhere. <laughs> Did you ever think about I, that? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, yes, no, I think it came from when I was growing up. Uh-huh. Um, because when I was growing up as a young kid, I was always the, I, first of all, I had, all my friends were older than me. So uh-huh. I was always fighting to win or I always had to go the extra mile. Like I had to always deal with adversity. Um, my parents okay. got divorced when I was three years old, uh-huh. um, grew up in a single parent household where really it was just me and my mother and my mother really worked long hours. So basically I was by myself at 10 years old. So I really had to do everything by myself. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a lot of, lot of challenges in that sense, um, mm-hmm. where I think I learned how to push and go hard. And, you know, I just think, and also I think that I just had, I had dreams, you know, I had a, I think when you have a real dream or a real vision in life, mm-hmm. I think that pushes you above and beyond. I didn't that know is- it at the time, but the vision mm-hmm. was so in me. Um, and I, I just, I could call it a real vision. Cause you know, some people just create visions, but I mean a real one where you really mm-hmm. don't have a choice, you know, you know, there's certain, mm-hmm. There's certain things in life that people come across or you stumble into that you really don't have a choice. You can't quit if you want to. It's so it's so in you. You can't quit. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that that drive is what pushed me. And my, my father always told me that you got to work hard. Like you know, nobody great is great without hard work. You know, I've you know, he's yeah, always say, right. You know, champions work hard. They go the extra mile. And so I think that was ingrained in me at a young age as well. And I just had that no quit mentality. And, you know, all these things uh, count, and, and it says, you know, something within you, and it's so true, having that dream. But I, I also, you know, found from listening to you, having older people, older friends, where it puts you in a situation where you have to be better, not bitter. And uh, that's my tagline in some cases. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and really having to internalize a lot of things, being by yourself, that's very interesting. And I, and I hope the listeners, some of them are, are listening to this because everybody doesn't quite go that route, uh, Joshua, as you very well know. Were there any other times that you suffered re- rejection, whether it was uh, socially or emotionally? Um, yeah, I think, I, 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 you know, I had good parents. I really had loving parents. Um, so oh. I think that helped me a lot. But obviously with friends, you know, there'd be certain times, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be the outcast or, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain times with my friends where, you know, you'd be clowning. You're the one that the people came after. Um, so there was, there was those kind of moments. But I, I learned how to, uh, I learned how to respond to that. It's kind of funny now, when I look at it now. I, yeah, because I used to always be the one now, more than I, now that I look at it a little bit, I was mm-hmm. always the one that was, uh, that was in a controversy situations. Like I was always the one that people tried to come at, you know, like they tried to pick on, I guess that's a good word. And I would always <laughs> come back. And so I think that kind of, I never, when I look at that, I think that's what helped me a lot is that I've you always, know, since people came at me and, you know, like for instance, when I was younger, all my friends would be drinking and smoking drugs. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I, I just refuse to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, all my, I mean, literally, it's the most fascinating thing that all my friends that I grew up with from third grade to 10th grade before I transferred, they all either ended up on drugs, dead, or, or just alcoholics, literally, like 75% of them. 
Um, no, it's and it's pretty, it was pretty astonishing. It, but it's interesting, too. Some of the things that you say are things that uh, I have used when I talk about my success theories uh, to mm-hmm. people, uh, and particularly in motivating them. And I'm sure you use some of these strategies, too. The thing is, when if you look back and start to reflect, you notice that people picked on you. And you'd say, why me? What, what, what is it about me that people are always kind of coming at me? You, you use that. They yeah. pick on you. But you know what I always say to people? And this is something I learned in introspection with my own life. It's because they see the S over your head. They smell it. They can see it. And it's called success. So it's, wow. people, it's almost like people who are destined for success. They will always, these are people who will come to me and say, I've always picked on. I don't know why people would single me out, why they would come after me. Why am I going through such? I said, because they can see the S over your head. They can smell it. And so they'll do anything to stop that progress. But you found something within you that said, I'm not going there. I'm not smoking. So that has to be we are destined for a purpose here. And I believe that. So anyway, I just thought I'd share yeah. that. <laughs> that's powerful. Well, that's Joshua. So you know what, Joshua? We are going to talk about some of the toughest moments, and that evidently was one of the toughest moments of being able, here you are, my God, twice. You tried 13 years for a goal. And you did not make mm-hmm. that goal. So we're going to come right back after a quick break. And we're going to talk about what started you on a speaking career, how you turned this rejection into an opportunity for success. So listeners, stay tuned because we're going to be right back after a quick commercial break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
and welcome back to the Transformation Success Show with my guest, Mr. Joshua Friedenberg. We are talking about our topic today, turning a rejection into an opportunity for success. And that's exactly what this bright, energetic, dynamic young man did. And we are sharing his story today. So call your friends, ask them to tune in or download this show. Be sure you've got to listen in to Joshua Friedenberg. So Joshua, as we took break, we talked talking about people picking on you and how you overcame. And I want to know, how did you start on a speaking career? What happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it was it was really on accident. Um, it was really on accident, to be honest with you. What? Um, but there, there's some practical stuff from it. But so what happened is, um, during this time of rejection, I had decided to, I, I had a communications class and it was um, a public speaking class. And within the class, one of the things that we had to do is we had to give, you know, a presentation. And at that moment, I had never really talked in front of a lot of people a lot. Um, I did it a couple of times, but not a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so at this point, I was asked to do a presentation and like most of I was really nervous, didn't really know what to say. But once I got up on stage, well, once I got up, you know, in the classroom, uh-huh. it was uh-huh. as if I just was flowing. Um, it was just, it was like it was organic. It was just who I was. And uh, at that point, um, I noticed that not only did I have a gift to speak, but I realized I had what I call photographic memory. I was able to memorize my speech without notes. It was just one of those things that was in me. And so at that point, um, at that point, I, I discovered what I call my gift. And so mm-hmm. once I discovered that I was good at talking, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was common sense that I would take more communication classes because that's what I was good at. And, you know, that would help me to graduate more effectively, which is a whole mm-hmm. other discussion about education. Um, mm-hmm. But so I took a, a communications class and I had a debate class. And in my debate class, I was undefeated. I never lost. And it was because I had a gift to speak. I was really good at, at communicating and articulating my thoughts mm-hmm. and really moving people and inspiring people. And so at that point, mm-hmm. I discovered that not only did I have a gift, but also was passionate. I actually liked talking. It was something I actually liked to do. Uh-huh. Um, and in the next semester, I was part of an organization on campus. It was a faith-based organization. And one of the things they asked us to do was each semester they would have people speak. And uh-huh. so um, I volunteered to do a presentation. And in my first presentation, I believe it was on success, 50% of the audience started bawling in tears. And uh-huh. so at that point, I recognized that I had a gift to speak. I had a passion uh-huh. to speak uh-huh. and that I could use this to make an impact in the world. Uh-huh. Um, and so once I was able to uncover the gift, the passion, and the ability to use it to change the world, it was at that point where I had an epiphany that one of the things that I wanted to do was to become a national speaker. So really that was uh-huh. the, the creation of the vision, the creation of the dream, the creation of the purpose. And at that point, I really did not know how to be a speaker. Um, there's no major in motivational speaking. I had no mentors. I had uh-huh. no idea how to become a speaker. I just knew I wanted to do it. And so from that point, I would just try to talk as much as I can. So I would, you know, I would speak at our events. I would volunteer to speak, you know, when kids came to visit the campus. Um, even during organizations, we talk about relationships. I would talk about relationships. I don't know how much I knew back then, but I would talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I put together a, a press packet and started soliciting my, my, soliciting my services and ultimately, when you, anytime you begin something with no actual uh, expertise in it, um, it failed. But it was okay because I still believed that I had a message. I was passionate about it. I believe it's what I wanted to do. And so I was definitely not going to give up. 
And um, then at about the age of 22, 23, um, I was invited to a church service that I really didn't feel like going to, but I got invited, met a guy that knew a manager in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who had worked with Tony Robbins. Uh-huh. Um, at the at the age of about twenty four, we we connected. Um, she was my coach and my manager, and basically, her she was viable because she really taught me the business of speaking, and she taught me like how you have to have a website, how you have to have speaker packet, and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And so at that point, I worked with her, and I'll never forget. She said, "You know, Josh, I work with a lot of speakers, but for you, I know you're going to make it." And he said, "The reason I know you're going to make it is because you have a drive in you that is that is just really, really, really strong." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, ultimately, um, I started ultimately picking up the phone call, phone calling people saying, you need to come speak on your campus. And ultimately, 10 years later, um, here we are full time traveling the country as a speaker, writing books. Um, but I'll, I'll, I say it all goes back to the key, the key, the key, the key beginning was I discovered a gift. Uh-huh. Um, I think I think a lot of times we're not we don't take the time to ask ourselves the question, what is it that I do really well? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm passionate about? And then how could I use all of this? I like, I like this thing to solve a problem in the world. Right. Those are three vital questions. And when you can answer those three vital questions, you know, really, then it's, just start, it's time to start acting on it. And, and I just, I, I, what I've discovered is I've discovered when you act on it, although you don't know how to get there, although you don't know where the resources are going to come from, mm-hmm. there's something within our <laughs> universe that causes things to align when we're doing the right things. Right. Um, I often tell people, I have this whole notion, I often tell people, I say, man, anytime I'm talking, something good is happening on my, on my behalf at that moment. I always tell people that. I said, there are people I don't even know that are talking about me because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I really believe that. And sometimes I forget it because sometimes you get discouraged and you go through challenges. But I've always remembered yep. if I get back into my spot, and I stay committed, I stay diligent, I stay right. faithful to what I'm supposed to do. Somehow, some way, I feel it's like the universe does things in such a way that work in my beh- in my, on my behalf. And um, you're so right. And so that's, that's how I went, went for That's how it all started for me. And that's, that's you know, and I've obviously, throughout this journey as a speaker, I've been rejected uh, hundreds of times. Uh, because, you know, you call people and they say, we don't need a speaker. Um, I've been rejected mm-hmm. by agencies thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people tell me that because I'm an African-American speaker, I'm too loud. Um, I have people say I preach too much. I have people say I don't like your style. You're never going to make it. I mean, I've dealt, mm-hmm. with, I've dealt with all this kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, what I learned is maybe, you know, what I've learned about that is that, okay, for you it may not work, but there's another audience it may work for. And I think that's the critical that's another critical thing of rejection. Um, I like to say, I heard this from a pastor I use all the time, that rejection is direction. Anytime you're rejected, it's direction to somewhere else. That's exactly um, right. The reality is, everyone is not going to like you. Everyone is not going to accept you. Everyone is not going to say, we want to help you. That's, that's a fallacy. But there are a people that are there to connect with. There are people that you're going to impact. There are people that you're going to serve. And your goal, I believe your goal should be to focus on those people. And in focusing on those people, you maximize your success, you maximize your impact. Um, I like to, Seth Gooden, he talks about the tribe, knowing what your tribe is, and understanding who that is, and focusing on that, so... 
You know, out of all of this uh, that you've said, and I know the listeners, and I hope they've been just t- tuned in, as I'm fascinated, too, by your story, I can relate. We have a lot in common. Let me tell you much of what I think <laughs> about, about the journey. Uh, journey. But the thing is that so many people, Joshua, get involved with, which you could have fallen into the, that trap, of a job. And mm-hmm. once you get into that job, the gift gets lost because people are working in these jobs that are mundane. They're not really, they're, they're an economic uh, source, but it's not mm-hmm. their gift. And to step yeah. out on faith and discovering, because I often said, oftentimes your natural gifts don't necessarily lead to your purpose. Your gift mm-hmm. as a basketball player, you talked about how great you were. You were good. You were very good. Yeah. But there were yeah. just people who were taller. <laughs> than a yep. six-two athlete, so it wasn't that you weren't good; you were, but that was not yep. your purpose. So, well, and that, you, you know, and so even though you had a gift, that gift led to your purpose because you began to discover and step into your destiny and your purpose. And as you're so right, when you step into your purpose and step into your gift and act on it, the universe does open up for you. So I hope that people are encouraged by that, by your story, knowing that rejection. It's not, it's really what? New direction. I like that. <laughs> can, I, can I share one thing? I, want, I do want to share, because you, you kind of quickened something in me about, about the nine to five job. What I, what I didn't tell about my story, um, I used to be in television as well. Um, one of my aspirations is to have a national talk show and radio show, which I still believe is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't got to that part yet, but it's, it's going to happen. So one of the things I used to do, is I used to work in television and I worked mm-hmm. for tons of major shows. So I was, a production assistant for the Wayne Brady show. And, um, and I could have stayed in, I could have stayed in television. I could have been a producer. Um, mm-hmm. I could have done all that, but mm-hmm. what began to happen was, although it was a nice job. I mean, I mean, it was a great job. Working in entertainment is absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, you, yes. it's fun. You're creating shows every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an amazing job. I, I got to say it's an amazing job to be in entertainment. Um, and it was a fun job. It wasn't boring. It was, it was exciting. We did hard work though, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I'll never forget. I would sit there and I would be so bored. I mean, I, I mean, I would watch these shows I'm like, how do people watch this stuff? I would be so bored, not because the show was bad, but because it just wasn't my passion. I was like, I don't want to be a producer. And so at that point I realized, I knew I wanted to be a speaker. And at that point I knew that this path of, a comfortable job, being a producer. I mean, that's that's what people would would love to have that kind of job, you know. Uh, but I realized at that point I couldn't attain my dream doing it. That wasn't what I wanted to do. That was and so I had part. to leave entertainment altogether mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and become a substitute teacher. And the reason I was a substitute teacher for a few years is because the flexibility of being a sub. So you don't have a commitment. You just go in when you can. And so for me, I was being a substitute teacher while I was pursuing my dream, when ultimately I got to a point where I could let go of sub, substitute teaching and become a speaker full-time. And to I'm me, glad you mentioned I used that. To, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I, oh, I used to hate being a substitute teacher. I mean, love <laughs> teachers. God bless them. You know, I feel you have to be called to be a teacher, by the way. But I cannot stand substitute teacher. And I was good at it, too, by the way. I was good at this. I mean, I have stories, but... I didn't like it. Didn't like it, it was, at all. It was not. It was not your purpose. It was not your purpose. No, it was not my purpose. But I put in the work in something uncomfortable 
to ultimately be in something that I would be comfortable with. And I think sometimes people aren't willing to go through the uncomfortable stages. But I want to say destiny. this too, Joshua. Um, even though you didn't like this and use the word I hated it, but that substitute teaching was also a ladder. It's a step that moved yeah. you into where you are now. And all of the tools that you used and things that you learned, I bet you are applying today as a successful dynamic speaker. Nothing. Yeah, you know exactly. what I always, I always tell people? <laughs> and I'm going to say it on the air. I always say God is Jewish and he doesn't <laughs> waste anything. <laughs> so That's good. That's funny. <laughs> the, the roots that we take may seem like, oh, they're so awful. I don't know what I learned from that. But you did. Everything is orchestrated for your journey. I truly believe that. So <laughs> That's great. That's so, so great. Yeah, that's good. That's so true. I wanna, so true. I want to ask you, uh, I'm enjoying this. I hope you're enjoying this. You're just absolutely wonderful. I want to know, you founded the Circle of Change Leadership Conference and and World Leaders Institute. So I want to know, how did you get into that? What what happened that you um, started to say, well, I want to find, you know, become the founder of this organization. And what is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, the way that it, the way that it happened, uh, believe it or not, it's it's really it's really interesting. So uh, it's another it's another uh, monumental moment. So what happened? I was in I was in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, what year two thousand nine, and during this time there was a big economic crisis in America. Yes. If you know, mm-hmm. if you go back in history, and one of the challenges was a lot of students were graduating college but really could not get jobs. Mm-hmm. Still an issue today. Um, and so, well. Has anything changed? Of, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go I was, ahead. I was going to I was going to a lot of leadership conferences, and um, at that moment, I was got my master's in organizational leadership. And one of the things I realized is I realized that a lot of people that were hosting leadership conferences were not actually teaching leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of got bothered by that because I said, "Wow, we're doing these programs, and it's really not preparing people to be leaders. Therefore, we're developing ineffective leaders." Um, and then I saw a problem with careers and, you know, there wasn't, I didn't see a lot of, I mean, there's resources, but I felt like there could be more to help college students really understand how to navigate the career dynamics um, in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately that's where Circle of Change was, was birthed, was really to create a unique conference where it bridged career and leadership together so that ultimately mm-hmm. not only can students obtain the skills necessary to be a career, a have career leader success, but ultimately make an impact. And what was mm-hmm. unique about it is <laughs> out of all the conferences I went to, I really, I don't, I think I saw about two conferences that were similar to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, in the, in the, and I've been to a lot of leadership conferences. And so that's where it, where it started. Um, I actually started at Long Beach State University. And the reason I started there was because I knew a lot of people there and I had mm-hmm. the resources to make it happen. Okay, and I had that's one great. intern. One intern this first year, um, we had a, like a twenty thousand dollar budget. Um, had no money. About November. Now this is this this right here. This is a story right here. So about November seventh, I'll never forget. We had about seven people registered because again, just like when I was speaking, you call people. They don't know who the who you are. They don't know who the conference is. You know, you know, you, know, you got to build a Joshua. Can I bookmark yes. this while we take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come mm-hmm. back, and we're going to start out okay. with no budget and this money, and we're going to start. Circle of Change Leadership Conference. So we'll be right back. So listeners, stay tuned for our commercial break. We'll be right back. 
back with Joshua Friedenberg, my guest for today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the Transformation Success Show with my guest, Mr. Joshua Friedenberg. And we're talking about a topic, turning rejection into an opportunity for success. And this young man has a dynamic, incredible story. And before we went to break, we're talking about how he founded the Circle of Change Leadership Conference and what happened that he started this conference and the World Leaders Institute. So stay tuned. So Joshua, you're on the Long Beach State campus and you're getting this conference ready. You're seven people registered. What happened? (laughs) Yes, seven people registered November 7th, 2010. I can take you to the date. Seven people registered. Um, I'm stressing out, as you can imagine. I have a phone call with um, with my with I had like an executive I had a phone call with a group of people that were advising at the time, and this woman who had done you know several programs she uh, just on the phone and she's like um, Josh I think you should postpone it, and uh, I'm like yeah you're probably right I should postpone it, but again that fire on the inside wouldn't let me do it and so I said um, I'm gonna think about that and I called my friend my best friend on the phone. And I said, um, yeah, we had this meeting and they said I should postpone it, but, um, I walk by faith, not by sight. So therefore I'm going to walk by faith. And I said, either I'm going to live or die, but I'm going for it. And so at that <laughs> point I called my intern. I had an intern, a student intern at that time. So I had at that time. And, um, we actually got another intern and we, we, we talked about it. And at that point I called my friend from church and I said, I need you to pray and fast over these next months because, um, I'm going for it. And so we begin to pray and fast um, every Tuesday. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And so I began to do everything I could to get people to this conference. 
luckily for me in the first, in that two week span, we went from seven to 73 people, which is great. I was like, whoo, cool. If I, my goal is if I can get, if I can get to a hundred, I'll be cool. Just let me get to a hundred. And um, we were coming up on Thanksgiving break. I was out of town. And um, so I was in Miami and I was a little, I was a little concerned because we only have 73 people. It's mm-hmm. Thanksgiving break. People aren't thinking about no conference. They're ready to get home and eat, you know, turkey, dressing, macaroni and cheese, all that kind of stuff. And, um, <laughs> and, and I was thinking how I was going to pay for it. Cause you know, at the end of the day, all that debt comes on me. And um, I had spoken in a college, but the check, something happened with the accounting. So I wasn't going to get the check. And I was a little bit discouraged, and I was in Miami, and that Sunday morning, never forget, I go to church, and the pastor starts talking about be thankful. And he said, you got to be thankful, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. So I'm going to be thankful no matter what. I get back to, to L.A. the Monday before Thanksgiving of that year. I'm walking on the beach, and for whatever reason this morning, I feel really good. I mean, I feel excited. And um, I get home and get on my computer, and the computer screen says you've just been approved for a $10,000 grant. Now... This grant in itself is pretty amazing because um, the way in which it starts, this is, I mean, first of all, I've never filled out a grant ever in my life. This is the only grant I ever filled out in my life. So just imagine all the grant writers out there. I've never done it before. This is the only one I ever filled out at this time in my life. I find out about the grant because I get, I get, I get, I get asked to speak at a banquet where someone finds me on the internet. This is the only time that someone has Googled you speaker and told me they found me on the internet. When I go to this speech, I meet a guy there that's from Long Beach, and we're trying to meet, but we can never meet. In October, I'm walking on the beach at another moment, and my, I felt like my heart was telling me, go eat breakfast. I know it sounds really crazy. I know it does. But I go to eat breakfast, no. and lo and behold, yes. this guy walks in at the same time as me. This true story. I'm not making this up. We start talking. No, I, no, he says, we start talking. He says, I know about a grant you should look into. That day I go home and research the grant. It's due that night by 5 p.m. I submit the grant, call the lady like, yo, I'm putting this grant in. And she's like, well, I don't know if you're going to get approved because we always don't approve until the end of December. And lo and behold, I had forgot about the grant. And I get this email that we've been just approved for $10,000 in a grant. Now, this grant is significant because at this point, we're able to use the money to give students free, free registration to the conference. So obviously, we get our numbers from 73 to about 100, 110, and we're able to execute the conference, pull the conference off. People are impacted in the first year. This is huge because at that moment, one of my friends was our MC, and he was a director at another Cal State school. He decides he wants to partner with me. That point, we create the business, we create the structure, and we just start doing conference after conference after conference. It starts to grow. We start to move to Cal State Dominguez. And from that point on, even to this point, we've never, ever had a financial challenge ever since. Somehow, the money always comes in. And somehow, the students come in. And I, I, I mean, that was probably... That that ten thousand grant was probably one of the most transformational experiences ever. I, I mean that that blew my mind. I mean, there's uh, yeah. <laughs> there's but that right there was like that was like God sent. But again, it goes back to my concept: when you're doing what you're supposed to do, stuff aligns in your favor. Yes, it does. It really does. Now, 
you have done a lot of work in the community and you're making uh, a change, but I want to just back up just a minute and say, what is the World Leaders Institute? Is that because the cycle of change leadership is a conference, but the World Leaders Institute, uh, what mm-hmm. is that about? Quickly, you tell me. So the World Leader Institute, um, so as a speaker, I've been traveling, I've been traveling the country as a speaker and speaking on different mm-hmm. campuses all across the country. And one of the things that I realized is I realized that within an hour and 30 minutes, it's hard to really provide people with the leadership information that they need. I mean, you can only really get, for me, I only can get through about four to five points. Um, right. And so I decided to write a book, which is called um, 40 Questions You Should Consider Before You Lead. And it's based on four four concepts, the inner leader, the operational, the relational, and the spiritual leader. And so mm-hmm. at that point, I created this book. And then what I realized that a book is good, but what's more powerful is a curriculum. And so I created a leadership curriculum with the book. Because one of the things that I identified through my experiences is within higher education, you have a select few people that dominate leadership development. And that's all right. people have. And that's, that's a whole other discussion. And right. so what I realized when you look at great speakers or you look at people that really make change, they're not only speakers, but they have programs and curriculum. That's really where the change can really happen. And right. so I created the curriculum, and out of that birthed the World Leaders Institute because it's really a 10-month program that prepares leaders to be effective in the 21st century. Okay. And under that, you know, you have the book, you have the assessments, you have the activities, you have the reflections. And, at th- and right now as we speak, I'm working on um, the videos that are going to go along with that so that people can actually watch different clips mm-hmm. um, okay, of, each, great. of each point. As they go along, that's, that's, all, that's, that's what the institute's about. Now, you know, know, that is absolutely incredible. So you have a curriculum, you have a book, and then it's a 10-month program for the World Leaders Institute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I want to just, you know, gosh, we're getting towards the end of this discussion. I want to continue. We'll have to do a part two, and we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> education, because I think for the youth today, because I think it's for the millennials, we need to really reach out and help them. But what do you think out of all of this in terms of what has happened in your life so far? And Joshua, I know there's a lot more for you. What three principles would you share with people today desiring to become, you know, become, you know, and I use that kind of question mark because I can't say, but people who've suffered rejection, they they feel defeated, lonely, and and there are so many people right now, Joshua, that are going through some real tough times, and you know mm-hmm. that. What three yep. principles would, would you share with people today? Okay. Um, well, one of the things I talk about um, with resiliency is we're always mm-hmm. told to believe, mm-hmm. um, but I've come to find out just because you believe doesn't mean you're equipped to deal with the challenge. And what I mean by that is I have found that there's what I call the fundamentals of resiliency. There are certain things that enable you to be resilient. Just to say you believe is not enough for some of the stuff you'll face. Um, There's there's some Mm -hmm. practicality to it. And so um, since I only have, I literally talk about five or six, but since I have three, um, the first one, and again, I know everyone's not faith-based, but this is just me, and I'm just going to be honest. The first one is prayer. Um, Everything in my life, is based off prayer. And when I say prayer, I'm not being religious. I mean, every day I take about 30 minutes to an hour where I pray specifically 
over things and it affects everything. So that that's number one is is some type of prayer life, some type or of meditation. Because some people meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some type of meditate. You know, whatever whatever helps you, whatever helps you. And and, right. and in addition to that, you know, whatever gets you in position or get you know builds your faith up. Right. Um, number two, I think is important is really to discover what your purpose is. Um, I often say purpose in a practical sense is the passionate reason why you do what you do. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times we make it more complex than what it is. But what are the what is what is what is it that really drives you? What is it that you're really passionate about? What is it that really matters to you? And if you can find something where you can list ten reasons why you're passionate about it, um, I believe mm-hmm. that will take you a long way. Because there's right. certain things in life, there's certain challenges that you will not overcome unless you have purpose. It's just it's right. just a reality. I really believe that from my heart. If you're not founded in purpose, it's not, you're not only gonna not only gonna not overcome situations, but I will go far to say you won't even perform at your highest level. Because I believe purpose will drive you that far. It does. Um, can I get four? Can I have two more? Can I get four? Okay, go ahead. Quick, quick, quick. Okay. Uh, the third thing is, the third the third thing I want to say is you got to have a support team. Um, I, I like this quote by Les Brown. He says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's critically important that you surround yourself, I like to say, with a mentor, with peer mentors, and then with, with, with friends, family, and then mentees. So you have someone that you can look up to, that you get guidance from. You have someone that's on your same level. You have, you have your family and friends. It's a whole other discussion. And then you have someone that you're pouring into. Because I've discovered when you pour into other people, they'll actually pour back into you. And I think that kind of support is vitally important mm-hmm. um, as far as resiliency. Right. Um, and then the last one is having the right perspective. Ultimately, mm-hmm. understanding, like one could I say, that failure is a preparation for success. Everybody fails, but the person that understands how to navigate through failure will become successful. Um, so it's really about that perspective, it's that understanding that, that a challenge is not there to kill you. A challenge is actually there to make you stronger. Um, I often say that your greatest obstacles is losing a precursor to your greatest achievement. It's just mm-hmm. based on your perception of the situation. And so these are some of the things that I've been able to use that have helped me um, to deal with certain challenges in my life. That is absolutely wonderful. And I know that the listeners have benefited from these fundamentals and these principles. Four, which is, I asked for three, but you gave me four, which is great. <laughs> which is absolutely great. You know, because I think that, and I'm going to repeat them what you said, number one, prayer. Prayer yeah. or meditation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Whatever that can get you focused, get you tapping into your spiritual self. Because, you know, we are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And I always say that yeah. you're actually a spirit being having a human experience. So, number That's two, good. discover your purpose, your passion. What, what turns you on? What, what makes you happy? What drives you? What fuels you? What may, I always say, what puts a little pink in your cheeks? <laughs> 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 I can say that to some audiences. <laughs> but what drives you? And then number three, you said develop a support team. I like that. Your friends, family, mentors, peers, peer friends and supporters, mentees, surround yourself with a support team. I call it, I will usually say my own words, are your, your personal board of directors. Because you need, part, that, yeah. for me, another aspect for me, and I just share this and throw that out, Joshua, because... The board of directors for me, I ask people, you don't want yes people. You want people who will provide 
really good feedback to you, honest feedback because they love you. So you need to have at least three or four board of directors, personal board of directors. And number four, the right perspective. Change your failures and look at it as a precursor for success. These are great. You know, what do you think is next for Joshua? Because I know you've got a vision. And so I have just one, like a 30-second close for you. What's next for Joshua? Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, there's a a lot. I think think definitely um, continuing to empower leaders all across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely think television, more more of a voice in television. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, those are really the two things. Yeah, just really have, reaching more people and on um, television. That's really concept. where. Well, those yeah. Are, yeah. I, just, I just know that, you know, there's so much more for you, Joshua, and I, and I want to wish you success, uh, continued success on your journey because I know that our creator has a definite plan and purpose for you. It ain't over yet, you know. Yes. Now, Yes. It's not over yet. They've got a lot more to do. And so I just yeah. want to say to the listeners mm-hmm. out there, I know you've enjoyed the show today with my guest, Mr. Joshua Friedenberg, and I'm going to bring him back because uh, I know he has a lot more to share. And I really enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot too, Joshua. And I want to thank, thank you, you so much for your insightful words and just for sharing your story. Truly, you are an amazing man, and I wish you all the best for your bright, successful future. So remember... Thank you. Listeners, whether you didn't make that basketball team or you got dumped by a long-term love or blindsided by recent firing or whatever, stop beating yourself up because it'll only keep you down. And I don't want you to get, you know, caught up with one person's opinion or a single incident should never define who you are. So don't let your self-worth depend upon other people's opinions of you. So I want you to know and ask yourself, as Joshua did. What did I gain from this rejection? So that you can really learn from it. And rather simply just going on in your life, you can turn it into an opportunity for self-growth, more importantly, to step into your purpose. So listeners, I want you to remember, use rejection as an opportunity to move forward with more wisdom. So I love you all, and I want to say Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Next week, I'm going to be back with another interesting guest. Until next week, this is Dr. Barbara Young signing off. Be encouraged. Be joyful. Be grateful. Be motivated. And be forever transformed with greatness. Keep well on your journey to success. appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 